You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Tonight I want to talk to you about this. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. And let's begin at verse number 16. We'll read through just a couple of things here. And through verse 23. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 19 is our text. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth Pentecostal poison that I want to talk about tonight is quenching the spirit. Quenching the spirit. Can we lay our Bibles down and let's ask God to have his way tonight in these next couple of moments. Dear Lord, I thank you for your abiding presence. I thank you for every promise. I thank you for every blessing, God. But I pray tonight that you speak to our heart, that you would encourage us, edify us, God. Direct us, instruct us, correct us if need be, Lord. And let there be liberty in the Holy Ghost in our lives personally. I thank you already for the liberty that we feel in this service tonight. We give you glory and honor and praise right now. God, we declare your glory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And somebody said amen. Amen. Turn around and tell them, let's have church. Find somebody, tell them, let's have church. Amen. You may be seated. Quench not the Spirit. This past week on Wednesday night, going through Ephesians, we came across the verse that told us to grieve not the Holy Ghost, to grieve not the Spirit of God, to not cause anything that would cause a grievance. Here Paul says, quench not the Spirit. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, these are interchangeable terms for the same thing. It is the relative, what we call the relative presence of God. We know that God is a spirit. No man hath seen God at any time. We know that he is without limit. He's without beginning and ending. He is infinite. And so you cannot contain God. You cannot limit God. You cannot box God in, so to speak. We cannot package God and sell him on merchandise shelves. He's without limit. But yet, in, the, in, in, in spite of his eternal and infinite presence, he does relatively come down and minister and deal with us. And so we use things that, we say things that can be confusing, like, I feel the presence of the Lord here. We understand in his omnipresence, God is there before we're there. And when we're not there, he's still there. And when we show up, he was already there. There's no place that you can go. The psalmist said, where can I go? I cannot descend into hell. And he's already going to be there. He's without limitation. So you cannot escape that. But when we say things like, I feel 
the presence of the Lord here tonight. We are denoting that we are acknowledging that there is an interaction. There is something that is transpiring in that moment between the God of all eternity and us. And so the Spirit of the Lord is the relative presence of God. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, His Spirit comes down and lives in us and lives through us. In fact, Paul said that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Amen. So that Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. It is that Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's not another part of God. It is the Spirit of God. Jesus commanded in John 14, He said, I will send the Comforter. And then He followed that up to clarify and said, I will come to you. When my spirit comes, I won't come to you as you've seen me now in form and fashion, able to be touched. I will not come to you in that manner, he was saying, but it will be a different manifestation. I will come in spiritual form. And he said it will be a comforter. I'm going to tell you, one of the most identifying characteristics about the spirit of God is when his spirit shows up, there is comfort. (laughs) There is a peace that comes. There is and assurance that comes. It is the Spirit of God. And Paul now challenges us, quench not the Spirit. Another translation said it this way, do not stifle the Holy Ghost. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. That quenching, the word quenching, is illustrative of a fire that is combustible, that is burning, and and uh, you can quench a fire, you can uh, suffocate a fire, you can throw water on a fire, you can spread the coals apart so far that you begin to quench and you put out the flame. In that same manner, he says, quench not the Spirit. So from that, I can also deduct that not only are we not to quench the Spirit, but we ought to stir it up. We ought to, we ought to bring it together. We ought to make it greater, more intense. Amen. Let it have its way in us. Turn to somebody and tell them, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift of God. Two things quickly I give you tonight. Number one, you cannot quench the Spirit if you do not have the Spirit. Folks, this is simple, but you can't quench something that you don't have. When Paul said, quench not the Spirit, he was assuming that you already have the Spirit. Can I tell you, the main thing is you've got to get the Spirit of God inside of your heart inside of your life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Hallelujah. You've got to have the presence of the Lord inside of your life. That's why when we gather together on Sunday evening, we take time for prayer at the beginning of service. And I have told our staff and others and and those that are on the platform, listen, I want you to do everything in excellence. But if the note doesn't come up to par and not if everything's not right, but you are in the altar before service, 
purpose. I'm going to tell you, that's the main thing because the note could be perfect. Amen. Everything could be laid out. Everything could be fixed. And we could be as dead as, 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 as wood that has never been burned. We could be as dry. Amen. But when the Spirit of the Lord is there, hallelujah, the Spirit of the Lord does things that we cannot do. Folks, I'm going to tell you, our pretty singing is not going to change lives. People may walk in and may walk out and they'll say, wow, that sounded good. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, good is not good enough when you're in the need of a miracle. When you are fighting devils, you don't need good. You don't need pretty. Amen. You need power. You need anointing. You need, amen, the power of the Holy Ghost to work inside of your life. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So you must have the Spirit before you can quench it. You need the Spirit of the Lord in your life. You need the Spirit of the Lord in your life. Why would you not want the gift of the Holy Ghost? Why would you not want the gift of the Lord? It is a promise for whosoever will. It is a promise for every single one of us. I would challenge you, amen, not only to live that in your life, amen, but let that be your mantra. Every friend that you come in contact with, every other believer that you come in contact with, Sister Brooks, we ought to follow the example of the Apostle Paul. Have you receive the Spirit since you believe? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? I'm not downing your faith. I'm not downing the measure of belief that you have. I'm not doubting your questions or, or, or rather your prayers and your commitments. But what I'm asking you, have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost since you believe? And if they say, no, we've never heard of it or we've heard that it's not for us today, you can say, well, hey, I'm here to tell you it's still happening today and it's awesome and it's incredible because it's happened to me. You begin to share that and tell that. I'm going to tell you, people will listen. Amen. Amen. You want somebody's attention to say, you know, I was down the other day and I started speaking in tongues. You'll get people's attention right there. They may move over a little bit. Look at you a little they may not understand all that. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. And that's why we've got to be careful. Amen. How we present this. It's not, by the way, about speaking in tongues. But I'm glad that God gave me a witness by which I don't have to depend upon any preacher or anybody else to tell me you're saved, you made it. No. When I came and gave my life to the Lord, something got a hold of me. Something happened to me. Amen. When I walked out of there, I did not doubt that it was a supernatural touch of God inside of my life. And I don't know about you, but every time I come to the house of the Lord, I'm looking for how much more can I get? How much more can I get inside of my heart, inside of my life? Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So you must have the Spirit. It's the number one thing. Commit your life to the Lord. You need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No greater thing, amen, than to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you are here tonight and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's not something to be feared. It's not something, amen, to uh, worry about. But when you love and honor God, just open up your life. I tell everyone, do not take my, don't take my word for it. You find out for yourself. You can go home tonight. Listen to me. You can go home tonight 
and say, I don't know what that crazy preacher was saying. I don't know about all that stuff, but God, I love you. And if you're real, I want everything you can have for me. Can I tell you, that's the testimony of my family. My grandfather, 1925, 16 years old, walking down Morris Street in Indianapolis, Indiana. He had just left the Pleasant Street Apostolic Church. And when he went there, there they were shouting and praising, magnifying God. Talking 1925, the Spirit of the Lord had fallen out. The city of Indianapolis was experiencing an explosive revival. They uh, they were making fun of them. They called them the Giggly Blukes in the Indianapolis News. You can read about it. And they were writing stories about them. They were doing all kinds of protests. But you can't stop the move of God. And my grandfather walked in there as a 16 year young man, 16-year-old young man. He walked in there and he walked out saying, man, those people are crazy. But he could not, he could not forget what he felt. He could not deny what he felt. He was walking down Morris Street and he said, God, I don't understand all that craziness, but I know I felt you. And if you are real, I want it to happen to me. I want whatever you've got for me. And God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidence with speaking in other tongues, walking down the street, amen, on the south side of Indianapolis. I'm going to tell you, you take that home and you pray that prayer and you step back and watch what what God could do inside of your life. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So you must have the Spirit of the Lord. And then once you have it, once you have it, Paul tells us, then we are not to quench it. That's number two. Once you get the Spirit of the Lord alive in your life, you are not to quench it. Galatians 5 and 24 says this, and they that are Christ, they that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Amen. I'm going to tell you what will destroy the, the move of the Spirit in your life is when you are led by affections and lust. When you're all wrapped up in affections and lust. When you have affections and lusts that have gotten a hold of your spirit, you can walk into a red-hot revival service and you can be numbed to the Holy Ghost because a lust of the flesh is a poison that will destroy. Samson didn't even realize that he had lost his anointing. He felt no difference until the enemy overtook him. Be careful because sometimes people backslide sitting on the pew. They say, look, I'm showed up. I've done my good deed. I check it off. I'm going to tell you, be careful. And then Paul goes on and he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Can I tell you, the Holy Ghost is not an event. It is not a man, a bullet point on your calendar. It is not a part of your agenda. It is not a portion of your weekly schedule. It is your lifestyle. It is who you are. It is what you've become. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is for every day. Paul says we live in the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit. Amen. When the Spirit of the Lord is alive in our life, the fruit of the Spirit will begin to be evident. There's no greater measure of whether or not the Spirit of the Lord is alive in your life 
than if the fruits of the Spirit, amen, are at work in your life. Notice I didn't say the gifts of the Spirit. Yes, the gifts of the Spirit need to be operating, but it is the fruit of the Spirit that is manifest. Jesus said, by this shall you know that all men are my disciples, that they have a love one for another. So the fruit of the Spirit is there. But he says, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Let's go, if we can, to John chapter number 3. And I take you to the Gospel of John chapter number 3. Here we have an interesting story that John records for us. And it is the story of Jesus speaking here to uh, the man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to him by night, under disguise. And Jesus cuts straight to the chase and begins talking to him about the new birth. I won't preach on this, but he basically tells him, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, how can I be born again? He says, that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And then in verse number 8, look at what he says. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. This was a prophecy that Jesus Christ Himself gave. He said that when the wind comes, you don't see it. You can see the effects of the wind, but you don't see wind. He said, but you hear the sound of the wind. And he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That word sound there was the Greek word phone, from which we get the translation of our modern word phone. In the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter number 2, it is no accident when Luke writes, amen, that they were all together in one place in one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. He lets us know this sound was not from earth, but this sound was from heaven. It was a supernatural sound. That word translated there is the same word phone. And Acts chapter 2 was the fulfillment of what Jesus Christ said. That sound came from heaven, but that was not the sound of the believers. That was just a supernatural sound denoting that something's getting ready to happen. Jesus prophesied not that there would be a supernatural sound. He said, but so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It was the Spirit of God that was speaking. So when the Spirit was there, there was a supernatural accompaniment of sound that was with that. That's a beautiful thing in the unfolding of this text and this prophecy. But note something else when he begins, Christ tells us, the wind blows where it listeth. Other translations will say this, the wind blows where it wills. You cannot control the wind. You cannot dictate the wind. You can receive the wind. You can set sails and you can use the wind to propel you forward. You can uh, set 
uh, 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 what are those big things? Windmills to try to capture the effect and the affluence, leverage the effect and the influence of the wind. But you cannot control the wind. It blows where it wills. And so is the Spirit of God. Amen. The Spirit of God is not to be controlled. It is not something that we can flip a switch on and flip a switch off. Oh, hear me, somebody. We do not turn the Holy Ghost on when we come into the house of the Lord. Amen. This is not about us dictating to God. Lord, we've showed up. We're here to worship, and it's time that you move. No, when we come, we are to get in tune with the Spirit of God and with what the Spirit has for us, not the other way around. We can't control the Spirit. And so this is why it is so vitally important that we quench not the Spirit. Because if the Spirit is not at work, we don't know where it's leading us. We don't know what we are to do. Amen. We must be, amen, at liberty and surrender to the moving of the Holy Ghost. We have to give liberty to the moving of the Spirit. That's why sometimes I think Brother Kendall even prayed tonight, Lord, have a liberty tonight. Have your way. Have you ever prayed that? Have your way. Take liberty tonight. Lord, speak to me. When I come to church, sometimes I come to church and I feel like shouting or I'm saying, oh God, I need this or oh God, I want this or oh God. I'm going to tell you, I've learned not to even let that enter into my prayer because I don't know what I need. I don't know what everybody else needs. I come in and say, Lord, have your way. God, show me what I need. Teach me. Speak to me. God, have your way. I give you license, amen, to examine my heart. Something that I may not even know I need. Have liberty. Let your word have free course. That's what Paul prayed. Let the word of God have free course. Can I tell you there's something about the preached word of God. That's why we, we got to be careful, brethren, amen, ministers, that we don't preach our opinions and our agendas, but that we preach the unadulterated Word of God because it's quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Let the Word of God have recourse. There's got to be liberty, liberty for the Spirit of God to move inside of us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians, here it is. Chapter number 3 and verse number 17, if we can. And Paul writes here, and he says, now the Lord, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord is that spirit. Amen. Make no mistake. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. From that I can deduce that if there is not liberty, amen, then the presence of the Lord is, has not been loosed in that place, amen. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes in, there is a liberty, amen, a liberty in the Holy Ghost. That's why, church, we must have the Spirit of the Lord. I can't say it enough. We must have the Spirit of the Lord in every service, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night Bible study. We need the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Every King's Crew service needs the liberty. Every youth service needs the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Every Sunday school classroom 
needs the liberty of the Spirit of God. Every first Saturday prayer meeting needs the liberty of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, I'd rather be in a storefront with an out-of-tune piano and a three-string guitar, but somebody that had the Holy Ghost, amen, than to be in the greatest cathedrals of all time with harmony and perfect pitch, amen, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So when we, when we have the Holy Ghost, we've got to be careful that we do not restrict the Holy Ghost. Liberty versus restriction. Amen. We don't restrict the Holy Ghost. We don't restrict the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. We let God have His way. We let the Spirit of the Lord have His way. We begin by praying, getting in tune, letting, amen, the presence of God have His way. But then we've got to be careful not to restrict the moving of the Lord, the moving of the Spirit. That's why it's important that when you come to church, you come to church and you engage. Amen. In the Holy Ghost. Be careful. Amen. It's not a time. This is not a time to update or check your Facebook status. This is not a time. Is this all right? This is not a time, amen, to balance your checkbook. This is not a time to worry about your to-do list. I know. I understand it. You, 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 you forget about everything the moment you kneel down to pray. All these things come to your mind. Every distraction possible is going to present itself. That's your human flesh, and that's the spirit, amen, of the enemy that's fighting you, amen. But you push that out and say, no, Lord, I'm going to let your spirit have your way. I don't want to restrict the moving of the Lord in my life, in my heart. So we must have liberty. Liberty in our services. Liberty in the church service. I want to have freedom and liberty in the church. We're apostolic here. Amen. We're not stuck to a program. If the Holy Ghost steps in, God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost during worship service. He can fill somebody during prayer for the sick. Amen. We're not just passing time. We're not just filling time when we have prayer for the sick. We are giving an opportunity for the Spirit of the Lord to minister. God could heal somebody in that very moment right there. And sometimes a first-time guest may not come down to the altar for prayer for themselves, uh, 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 say, for repentance, but they'll come because it's easy to identify I'm sick in body. And God has touched. And I've seen God fill people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost when they had prayer for the sick. Right in the middle of service. Amen. Our neighbor back in Indianapolis, Bruce Hawkersmith, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was dying of cancer. Doctors hadn't given him any more time to live. He made his way to church. They wheeled him down in the wheelchair. They came around. Those ministers gathered around, pray for his body. And while they were praying for his body, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Evidence in speaking in other tongues. When I talked to him after service, I said, Bruce, how was church? He just looked up at me and said, I got that ghost y'all been talking about. Amen, amen, hallelujah. I thank God for a church that had liberty, amen, to let the Spirit of the Lord move in that moment right there. But you let the Spirit of God move. Let the power of the Holy Ghost move. Let there be freedom. We don't control the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The second thing I'd say, or the next thing I would say to you, first thing was liberty versus restriction. we got to make sure that the Spirit of the Lord has liberty in our life. Don't quench the Spirit. The second thing I would say this is faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. You've got to operate in faith and not in fear. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, 
And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. They asked him, Lord, why could we not cast out devils? Why did this not happen? Why were the sick not healed? And the Lord answered, and he said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Can I tell you, you've got to operate in faith. We don't stand in fear. Amen. We don't stand in fear. I understand that God doesn't always heal people. I understand. There could be a multiplicity of answers. Maybe God's not finished with that situation. Maybe God has something like in the story of Job. He's working out for His glory. I don't know. I understand that sometimes while people come for prayer, they can be involved in growth sin. And that sin can be a precursor to the things that have come upon them. God is not going to honor, amen, their request if they are still living in a demonic, rebellious lifestyle, amen, against those things. I understand that. But when I go and pray, I don't go and pray in fear and say, oh, I don't know if God's going to heal. No, I go in confidence knowing that God could do it any moment, any time in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority of the Word of God according to His will. Hallelujah. We can speak to sin. We can speak the situations in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have faith. Amen. Our faith is not in our ability. It's not in our spirituality. It's in God and His Word and what He says. And so we operate in faith, not fear. I will tell you, if you are fearful, if you are fearful, you will quench the Spirit in your life. If God, if the Spirit of the Lord ever impresses upon you to minister to someone else and you are bound by fear, you will quench the Holy Ghost in your life. If God ever gives you a word of encouragement, amen, for somebody else, don't you let the devil, don't let fear enter in and say, well, maybe they won't receive it or maybe I'm wrong. You go to them in faith and say, hey, I don't know why, but God dropped you in my mind. I began praying and I just want to say, I felt like God's doing something. He's there with you. Maybe it's a reminder or maybe it's something specific. You give it to them. You leave it there. Take it. They do whatever, but you operate in faith. Let the gift of the Holy Ghost lead and guide you. Can I tell you, you can trust the Spirit of God. Don't trust your weakness. Don't trust your fear. But you can trust the Spirit of God. So we don't want to quench the Holy Ghost. But we want to have faith. Can I tell you, CTK, when you see somebody down here praying, it doesn't matter if it's the first time they've been here and you've never seen them or if they've lived their whole life in church longer than you and you feel something. Can I just say, you ought to have a liberty. Take liberty to go pray with somebody. Now, don't be distraction. Don't get all up in in their mess. Don't be spitting over them and messing their hair up and all that stuff. But you go in faith. You can lay your hand upon their shoulder and you can begin to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let faith arise. Let the Holy Ghost lead you. Let there be liberty. Amen. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I don't want to quench the Holy Ghost. Because if God says, hey, Brother Duff, you know, I want you to do this. Lord, blaze a prayer. And you, you quench it. 
Amen. Pretty soon, God's going to look to the next pew. He's going to say, hey, he's not going to do it, so I'm going to go find somebody that can. Hear me? Is this all right? You know what? Do you remember that little story about the man named David, the little boy named David? Amen. That would kill Goliath and do all these wonderful things. I say that facetiously. He's probably one of the most written about characters in the Old Testament. But do you remember the narrative when Samuel came down to anoint David? Samuel comes to the house of Jesse to anoint David. And Jesse brought out his eldest son. Jesse was so proud. He brought out his eldest son. And his eldest son came and stood before him. And Samuel thought, surely this is it. And you know what the Bible says? That Samuel got his oil. He was ready, ready to anoint him. You look it up in your scripture. Here is the very word that it says. God said, no, Samuel. And here's what it said. I have refused him. God said of Eliab, who was the eldest brother of David, God said, I have refused him. In order for God to refuse him, it means that God had to first consider him. Eliab could have been king. Eliab could have been the man after God's own heart, but he quenched something. And God said, nope, can't be that one. Went to the next. God said, I refused him until he found a shepherd boy that out in the meadows when nobody was watching, amen, had picked up a heart and began to sing praise to God. He found somebody that was receptive of the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. I don't want to quench the Holy Ghost in my life. I want the Spirit of the Lord to have a liberty in my heart. Amen. I hasten to a close. I hasten to a close. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of His people. God inhabits the praises of His people. It's an Old Testament verse. It's an Old Testament Scripture. And I have heard people say, well, that, that was a word that was only specific to Israel, the nation of Israel. But on principle, I'd, I'd like to protest. I'd like to declare to you that the God of whom the wisest man Solomon would stand before all eternity at the dedication of the temple and declare that God, this temple cannot house you. This temple, Lord, cannot contain you, but just come down and dwell with us. That God that could not be contained in the temple said that He inhabits the praises of His people. If you want the Spirit of the Lord to be drawn back into your life, if you want the Spirit of the Lord to have liberty in your life, I'm going to tell you the quickest way to get back to that is to get into a lifestyle of praise. I'm not talking about an event. I'm not talking about a moment. I'm not talking about a shout or a dance or a hand clap or a song. It includes that, but that's not it. But live a life of praise and worship. God inhabits the praises of His people. Let your lips be lips that sing forth the praises of God. That's why when we come into the house of the Lord, as they come to the music, that's why when we come into church, we begin, amen, generally with at least a few moments of praise. Even on Wednesday night when our focus is Bible study and teaching and the Word of God, even on Wednesday night, we, we don't go into the Word without taking a moment just to gather our mind and our heart, just to lift up 
a song of praise because even in those short verses there can be a moment, amen, of unity, of drawing in where the Spirit of the Lord can begin to move inside of our heart. We've got to be a church that is ready to praise God, that is ready, that is anticipating, that, is, that has a readiness in our heart, amen, to lift up the name of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is so vital. The antidote to this Pentecostal poison of quenching the Spirit. The antidote of that is two things. You've heard me say it before, but it's to be Spirit-filled and it's to be Spirit-led. Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. We don't just need preachers that are Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. We need fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, sons, and daughters, children, grandparents, parents that are Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. Don't quench the Spirit in your own life. Don't quench the Spirit in your own life. But let the Spirit of God be something that is more than just the sum of an experience in this building. If you've never spoken in tongues at home, you need to speak in tongues at home. Is that all right? If you're not praying in your car, if you're not finding other places to get a hold of the Word of God, I understand, I understand life and the hectic and the busyness and all of that stuff. And, and, and church attendance is a mark of diligence and discipline when you set aside that time. But that cannot be the whole of your experience. That cannot be the limit of your experience. Quench not the Spirit. Be filled, he said, with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I'd say this to you if I was to ask you tonight. Do you have a water bottle? Somebody have a water bottle? Anybody have a water bottle? Does my wife have, have you drank out of that water bottle? All right. Does my wife have an open water bottle? Let's bring that up here. If I was to ask you, is this, is this water bottle filled? You would probably say no. That one's been open. Has yours been open? Bring, bring me your water bottle. Has your... So we have one that's been open here. I've been drinking out of this one. We have this one that has never been open. Is this water bottle full? See, we can't even make up our mind on this one. Is it full? See that little bubble of air in there? Is this container absolutely full of water? No, it's not full of water. So if you open it up. Hold it out there. Is it full now? Still got some air in it. You tell me when it's full. You get, you get what I'm saying here? Paul said, be filled. Thank you. Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. How do you know when you're full? You know when you're full when it's overflowing. When it's overflowing in your life. Be filled with the Spirit. And then once you're filled with the Spirit, you've got to be led of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, if you're filled with the Spirit, you will be led of the Spirit. You just focus on being filled with the Spirit. Let God do everything else. You don't have to complicate it. Just be filled with the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Stand together with me tonight.
Now, Paul said, quench not the spirit. But then in Timothy, he said, stir up the gift. So while we're not to put the flame out, he does give us permission to stir up the gift. Throw another log on the fire, stir up the ashes, get them together. Throw some things in there that are combustible in there. Don't quench it. Let it burn. Let it be intense. When we come together in church, you know what we're doing? We're, we're, we're giving an antidote to quenching the Spirit. When we come together and we begin to sing songs and clap our hands, we begin to magnify God and rejoice together. You know what we're doing? We're, we're putting some fresh fuel on that fire. We're, we're opening up our heart and our spirit, our emotions. We're opening up. We're making ourselves vulnerable and we're engaging. Why? Because we want the Holy Ghost to have its way. May seem a little crazy to everybody else, but we're trying to, we're trying, I'm not going to quench it, but I've been given permission. Amen. You can make that as hot as you want. I'm going to tell you, you can't make the Holy Ghost too hot to handle. Let the Spirit of God move inside of your life. So quench not the Spirit. So my call tonight is first and foremost to everyone that has never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the Spirit of God inside of your life. And then beyond that, my call would be to everyone that it's been a while. You need, you need to be renewed with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every day, if possible. At least every time you walk into the house of the Lord. At least, amen, every week, you ought to be letting the power of the Holy Ghost be right there inside of your heart. Let the Spirit of the Lord fill you tonight. Can we bow our heads all across this place? Lord, in Jesus' name, let there be liberty.